When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, so welcome back to uh, part two of episode nine, which is now what we're going to be calling episode 10 of the So Let's Talk About It podcast. And uh, we left off talking about eight decisions um, about money that couples should be discussing. And um, I think we had a great start and we only got through two. So we're going to get through the other six um, in this conversation. But let's let's just recap on kind of like what we talked about already. Um, decision one was how much should we work, right? And talking about the reasons why people are overworking, um, the reasons why they would do that, uh, why men would do that, and then how they're wives are receiving it or the girls how the women receive that level of overworking and decision number two was should mom work outside the home and talks about the reasons why a mother would want to um and uh, I think we had some really really valid points um in that episode and so the continuation of that is decision number three which is who pays the bills and so we're excited to get to it and talk about decision number three let's talk about it Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? With your host Malcolm and Brittany Garrison, and you're listening to Let's Talk About It. Let's Talk About It is a space where we unpack life's transitions and their effects on millennials. As entrepreneurs and millennial parents, we've navigated a lot of life transitions. And we're here to share those experiences with you while challenging perspectives and engaging in open dialogue. Y'all ready? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. As a man, do you feel like it is a must that I pay the bills? Because I know we have conversations with our friends and we've had conversations with other couples where it's like, it is my duty as a man to pay the bills. Is that how you feel? Or is that, is it a stigma? What is it? I think, so I think initially men feel like that. Okay. Before you actually get into marriage, before you actually find somebody of value to, to share life with, I think we grow up feeling like, okay, we should be the ones to take care of the bills. But in my household, I saw that, you know, both parents worked and both parents took care of the bills as far as I know. You know, I don't I don't know if they had a different dichotomy or not. Right. But I saw two people working in that household. So I assumed that there were two people paying the bills. It wasn't just on one person. And so I think like when you're talking about paying bills, especially from a male female perspective, um, I think the thing is talking about is who if we have two separate incomes, whose money is paying the bills? Right. And so which I think is kind of messed up simply because if that was me in that perspective um, and I feel like things like separate bank accounts, people ask us about that all the time. Things like separate bank accounts are like saying that I don't want to be a partner and saying that I don't want to be together. That's my opinion. You know, so when we're talking about who pays the bills, they're saying that the male dilemma is that men want control and that's why they choose to pay the bills. Well, I don't think we necessarily 
just one control. I think when you when you do divide it like that, like I need this person to pay bills and this person to do that, you relinquish control. So if you came to me and said, I want Malcolm, I want you to be able to pay the bills. Well, you just relinquish control of anything when it came when it comes to finances in that sense. Well, women, we want control. So that I think that's why this is valid, because I think both parties want control. And so the book and uh, if you are just tuning into this episode, we're talking about uh, eight important money decisions for every couple. Uh, this book right here, uh, if you're on watching by Russ Crossing and, um, you know, so it talks about four reasons for control, right? And, and I want you to, your input on this. It says the first reason is because we're on a tight budget. And I think men are, well, for me, in our household, let me not say men, but in our household, you are, because you're a detail-oriented person, you are focused on budgets. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to be tight, you know what I'm saying? But you understand where it's like, okay, Brett, you're getting a little out of pocket, like, chill. like You know what I'm saying? And so it's saying that there's a re- the reason why male men have control or desire control is for things like close reign on what's happening with the money. Yeah. Cause I think men are paranoid. What are you paranoid about? We're, natu- we're paranoid about um, being impoverished. We're, we're, we're paranoid about being, uh, being homeless, you know, and it being our fault. So Why would it be your fault though? Cause it will be, it, it's, it's a social, it's a social norm that, okay. If we're married and we somehow become homeless, it is not the woman's fault. This is how, this is how society sees it. Okay. And this is how we view it. Okay. It is not the woman's fault. It's 100% the man's fault. Something he did, he didn't do, or he did wrong is the reason why they're in this, this situation. Mm-hmm. And we we have that paranoia of we don't want it to be our fault. Whatever happens financially, bad or, or whatever it is, we don't want it to be our fault. And I think that's why we um, we have a close tight rein when it comes to money or or a budget, or we th- we're more conscious of a budget than a woman is. Because Do you feel of like that. women are just free spenders? Is that what y'all are trying to say? Because I feel like every time I hear couples or or, or especially men have this conversation, it's as if we just be out here throwing money away. No, it's not. A, it's not that you're free spenders. I I feel like you you have a, a uncon you're unconscious about your spending though, and we're very very I know conscious. I am. We're very, very conscious when it comes to our spending because when we spend our money, we're thinking of so many other things than just this. Uh, what you know? What do they? What do people feel when they when they when they buy something that they've always wanted? It's like this high that you feel like. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have that. We have anxiety. Okay. <laughs> we have a high. We have. So when anxiety. you bought my car, you had anxiety. A hundred percent. So when I bought your car, I thought of, I thought of so many things down the line. You know, I, I thought of so many different aspects that. Making the purchase had to make sense. Okay, so so what so what was walk me down the mental the mindset of a man in his anxiety of making a purchase. So before I made that purchase of your car, I knew we had to have at least six figures saved. Okay. So that was my that was one of the first goals. The other goal was, what if I can't afford this car eventually mm-hmm. one day? So we think about okay, what if things change? I don't okay. think women think of that. Because they, they, they're always thinking of blissful blissful finances. And we all understand that. I think men understand to a degree that things can change and things may change. So how do you adapt? And I think we, we think about adapting to different things and we play these different scenarios in our head so that we make the right financial decision. Okay. I mean, I, I, that makes sense. The second one was this. It says that the wife has done something with the money that makes him feel uneasy. 
Absolutely. The wife has done something that might have pissed him off or she might have spent spent a, a large amount of money <laughs> without thinking it through first. And that might have pissed him off. And he's like, all right, okay, I, we need to reel it in. And that's when he'll make, he may exert his dominance in that area. Yes. So let me ask you a question. Have I ever done that to you? Have you? Uh, I, so I don't think you've ever done that. I think that you just you just never thought down the line, like how I think things five times through. Mm-hmm. I don't think you think about that before making a purchase. Okay. You and, know, I, 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 and we're different I, in that aspect. We are because I'm a hundred percent. I know that I am a, it is what it is. And I want what I want. And because I want it, let's do that. If it's because I've worked hard and I, I've put, put in the hours and mm-hmm. the time and the years to be able to say today is a day I want to just wipe my card and that just be it, you know, but I do, I do believe that over time, especially when you're with somebody so long, like we have been that, you know, some of their characteristics rub off on you. So it's not like I all, I don't make decisions the same way I used to because I've been with you for so long. And, um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. That's not saying it's not, it's not a conformity thing. I think it's just growing up it's growing together and growing up um because you because you're like that and because that's the way you think through things um i've started to do the same thing okay if i make this decision what what does this decision mean versus just how does it make me feel because most of the time for me it's a feel-good moment even even if i had a big spinning habit we would i would still think sort of the same way like even if i spent a lot of money you know on on things like i like like nice things and stuff like that yeah and I spent large amounts of money, I still would have that same mindset from a man's perspective Mm -hmm. just because it doesn't matter if you're making a lot of money or a little money, we still think this way. But I I think that's, I I feel like we hear that a lot and we talk to it because we do talk to a lot of couples and, um, you know, it's it's always that the wife, where it's like y'all act like we just out here doing the most, but... No, no, it's not that y'all do the most. Okay. Okay, I think it is women, women can get reckless when it comes to spending or you can get yourself into debt. Okay. Which I think men try to shy away from the most part. Okay. Um, but, but it's, it's that, it's that second thought of should I, and it's not much of a should sometimes when it comes to women and, and sometimes it is, but in this, in this scenario, if he feels uneasy, if she's done something financially that might've put them in a bind or that can potentially put them in a bind, he won't trust her. So 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 it off. actually so the control comes down to your level of trust at this Correct. point. With this, okay, so the next one is to keep the wife dependent. Yeah, I think that's a controlling man. So if you're if I'm a controlling man, that means I want to I have no problem with you making less money or no money at all because I want to keep the whole control when it comes to my finances and, and to the finances in general over your head. And I think but I and I think that's so toxic. It's toxic yeah. because and and I mean to a degree but i do think it's toxic because when we talked about you know the whole second decision was should the mom work and now it's no you don't work because those are the moments and those are the situations where a man comes out his mouth in an argument and says stuff like i pay the bills around here and you know what i mean and it's kind of like you know that's where you know when we talked about uh decision number two about moms working and it's like understanding that she wants her own, but not because she just wants her own. Sometimes it's because I'm being controlled by money. So I need to bring in my own money so that you can't talk to me about what it is that I'm doing um, or or how I contribute to the household or your level of reign over the household. Like some some dudes, I think, can take that head of household thing. Like, look, I'm the head of house. Like, and you're the head, right? 
this is not me taking away from being the head of the household at all but sometimes it's like we we, the guys will make it so literal and you don't do anything it's like you're kind of belittling the woman because of what you're bringing to the table financially yes and so but it, it starts with financially Right. Because the control isn't just fine. It starts financially. And because it's financial, which is the main basis of our life. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like if, if there's no finances, we're homeless. I think I think in this in this aspect, if I'm keeping the wife dependent, I'm also there's also a certain level of respect I do not have. for okay. And that's when you start to see a, a disrespect inside your marriage because mm-hmm. I'm making more money than you because, you know, you're not you're not bringing anything financially. That's all we that's all we think we bring value of. You know what I'm saying? Like men don't men don't associate their value outside of anything else but money. Why so, is that? I, I don't. Is it society? Is it? Is it when you grow up? Well, you know, if I had to have a perspective on it, do you think it's because when you get married, right, or when you're considering marriage, that one of the things that you hear the most of is you better be prepared to take this person from her covering or the person that's yeah. taking care of the money like I remember my uh, my dad told me a story about my grandfather uh, when he was about to marry my mom and my grandfather took him for a walk and he literally said don't <laughs> she can't come back here so basically like she can't come back so when she leaves and you take her you are taking ownership of everything that comes with that and her finances right okay keep continue continue that's the end of the story what no because that that's what I mean though that that's why men feel as though their value is only financially. Like, if I'm not bringing forth something financially, where is my value lie within the household? This is why. Because of talks like that, you 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 subconsciously put a pressure into this head, like, okay, it's my fault if anything happens. So if anything does happen, if you do fall on hard times, whatever it is, it will the man will feel like it's his fault. Because essentially it is. When, when, when you have that kind of discussion... I feel you. So let me ask you, what what do you feel like women's responses to men being excessively controlled? When I think to finance? there could be any response like, um, you know, I think especially when it's controlling you. I feel like I said, I said earlier, belittled. Um, okay. It can feel as if you don't have a place in your home. Um, you know, am I only good for sex? Am I only good for making your dinner? Am I only good for cleaning this house and making sure, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, think about when men be like, well, I'm, I'm making the money. So the least you could do, the least I can come to home to is, and it's like, now you have all these demands. And so I think the same way that you feel like men have a financial obligation, societal pressure, so do women. And you need to be cooking every day. You got to make sure that you are uh, have a clean, you know, you want a clean home. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, this is not me saying, like, let's be dirty. What I'm saying is there's the expectation that I have to do it. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes like, sense. There's the expectation that, it, like, it's the same thing you said. If my mom comes to my house and my house isn't kept, <laughs> she she's not asking you about it. She's not going to ask you. Mm, Does that okay. make sense? That makes sense. So, yeah. so like my best friend, um, you know, her bridal shower was this weekend and she had put on Facebook how her mom was coming into town. And she was like, only when your mom comes to town do you stay up to 3 a.m. cleaning mm. just for your mama to come over and still have something to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> but they're never going to come to my She's not going to come to Trey and say that. She's not going to come to her man and be like, what's up with the house if you feel like it's not kept. So in the same sense, we have the same feeling. So it's like if I'm now, if I'm now under the reins and the restrictions, because the thing is, like no no woman likes to have to ask 
permission to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Which I I don't I, I don't that. I feel like that's what the, that's the issue with money is because when you're in a partnership with somebody, you now have to be, consult. So it's like the things that are on my heart to do, <laughs> the things that I want to do, I have to if I make the decision, I feel bad because of the conversation I'm going to have to have with you to get the approval of it or the argument that we're going to have because it's already done. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's like it's the same sense of like just because you're the one that's providing or we're both providing, it's still that control sense. So it feels like I don't have control over myself because all I can do is based off of what you are allowing of me. And I know I feel that I felt that way multiple times when it comes to okay, I want to do this and, and now I got to talk, but I know I got to talk to you and that's the part that pissed me off because now <laughs> I got to go based off of what you go, you know what I'm saying? We've yeah, made, we've had to make 100%. decision and I, and I feel like I, there's been times when I felt like I lost my voice because you control the finances based off of the tight budget or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I hundred percent. I get it. So I think for me, it's been, you know, not necessarily being belittled, but feeling like I have no place because you have taken on the role of provider in the finance in the financial area of how things are getting taken care of. I can so how else do women respond then? So in the book in, in in particular, in the book it talks about uh four different ways that women respond to say apathy, which is there's no in- interest anymore. Um they lose enthusiasm or they lose concern. I can a hundred percent say that I have been uh what is the word? I have experienced apathy, because I don't know, is it apathetic? Like <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've experienced apathy and like my enthusiasm to talk about finances or my enthusiasm to you know, be in the CPA meetings and stuff like my yeah. enthusiasm isn't there, my concern is is no longer there because of those situations where you know i don't think we would think the word is control but based off of this it's control yeah you know what i'm saying um so apathy the other one was frivolous spending so it's like you like revenge <laughs> i must say revenge trading well let me to that point do you think women relinquish control like, do they give the control over i don't or? think we get the option that has there ever been a conversation where we discuss you know what i'm saying sometimes it's kind of like this is an unspoken thing that just becomes like this is how we are now managing the family finances but is there really a conversation of who does what whose money goes where you know what i'm saying so i don't think we get a chance to relinquish control because we were never asked in the first place because if you're saying this is your god-given thing to do or this is just how men are programmed then have I been asked anything? Mm. How do you have that conversation then? I think it's just regular. Like, I think that, I think there has to be a period of time where like you and I were just talking about like, you know, okay, we're about to turn 30. Uh, we're also in the second half of 2022 and going into the last in the last six months of this year. Well, what do we want to do? How do we want to manage our finances? What are some of our investment goals, savings goals and have, you know, stuff like that. And I think when you sit down and you start to talk goals, at least of where we want to see our family or where we want to see our finances, then you can now have the conversation. If we have, if you have your business and I have my business and I know that this is my projected income from my business, if I have said clientele or same thing with you, or if I do this event, or if I do, uh, if I have another opportunity, you know what I'm saying? It's like when you start to lay it on the table, I think that provides an opportunity to have the conversation of, okay, whose money goes where? Because literally with some of the stuff that we've been talking about recently, and that's what I said, I said, okay, well, my money that I'm going to be providing to the household will be used for living expenses and savings. Mm-hmm. And you're saying, which now puts your income to be allowed to be for investing. And so I think that's, you lay, 
you lay the um, foundation by having the conversation. I think it's just about talking about where we want to go. But I think in that moment, we I have been in a place where I have relinquished, relinquished control. Or you maybe you have if I said that my money is going to be living expense money. No, I think I think what, it started with us when I came off the job, though. Like that. Yes. That change in how I guess we saw money together. I think that's the. I think for us it is different because our money has been made together for the last five years. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's kind of always been our money, and we haven't had the yours and ours. But I do yeah. miss when you did have yours. <laughs> yeah, I remember you know you what told I'm saying. Me um, I did. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is frivolous spending. So it's like kind of like I'll show that nigga. Like, all right. You all right, nigga. You gonna look in this account and it's gonna be gone. Oh, that's like a response. To, yes. So oh, that's wow. a response okay. to feeling controlled. Is that I spend anyway? Got you. Okay. As a revenge response, and then hiding money. Um, I think that's like an old and old and thing. Our, our our mothers and our mothers' mothers and our grandmothers and great grandmothers. They used to be the one where you found money all over the house and mm. stash just in case anything happened. You know what I'm saying? If I got to run. I got you. And then the last one was um, getting a job or separate accounts. And that's the response to the feeling of control. But, you know, my question to you is how do you feel like, because you asked me how how can we have the conversation? My question to you is how do you feel like you can resolve it as a husband? Because I'm willing to relinquish control, right? But what does a man need to now do in order to have the conversation with her? Well, I I think we need to, I think men need to come to the to their wives and we need to talk about our habits. I, I think I think all this control and things like that when it comes to money, it all boils down to the individual's spending habits or financial habits. Mm-hmm. And it's really about coming together and, and and now making a picture of our goal, or financial goal, whatever we want to get to. Now, who would be better in this area leading us to this to this particular goal? Mm-hmm. Is having that conversation and now being honest about your own habit. Like if if I'm not a big uh, saver, or if I'm not a big spend, you know, whatever it is, maybe this person is better and suited in this area to to and more disciplined in this area for us to get to this goal. Or maybe the other person is. You never know. But I think having that conversation, that sit down, of saying let let's talk about where we want to go financially and how we're going to get there. And who's going to be taking the leadership role in that aspect? Because mm-hmm. there's, there's so many other things that you can lead your household in. You know That's real. Because I think, you know, when it comes to money and it comes to paying bills in particular, like you manage the household finances, but you don't know when any of the bills are due. Correct. I, I, I definitely don't. Like, and the lights ain't what? off. You That's know what I'm saying? so real. The car is not repossessed. <laughs> <laughs> We're not getting an eviction. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, at the end of the day, my goal for financial freedom was always to have my bills on auto pay. Mm-hmm. And so, one, I also don't know when they come out either. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the point is, you manage the household finances, but I pay the bills. And I think for all my fellas who are listening, I think the resolve is that you guys, because you have that control spirit that is just inevitable because you have that you don't include us in what you want to do so we want all we want mm-hmm. all, all we want is to be included in the conversation money can either be a promoter or a destroyer of communication we talked about that last episode talking about how it messes up sex but it can be a promoter or a destroyer of communication because i feel like with even revenge spending 
that means I'm trying to relinquish, you know, my desire. It's like I have a desire to be independent of you. And sometimes you do because you want to just be able to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how do you feel like finances and, and bills mess with or could help with? Because I think what you said to talk about having those conversations, what I said, I think that's healthy. But, you know, speak on that. Like money can even be a promoter or a destroyer of communication. I think I think finances is the number one cause of divorce. Just just my personal opinion. Um, that's why I think it's so important to have the hard conversations when it comes to the finances and whose role is what. Um, I think women need to voice how they feel more when it comes to that. Like, do they, if they feel like they're valued in that aspect or not. And I think men need to also um, be more vocal about what they expect mm-hmm. from um, from their partner and what they expect, uh, w- what they feel like they is expected of them. When it comes to their finances, I think there has to be an honest conversation around that. And then, honestly, men are not, we don't want to have a lot of confrontation with our women. So coming to that, to the table with that conversation is a bit hard for us. Mm-hmm. It is a bit hard because we we see y'all as our piece. So we don't, we don't want to come to the table with- Rile you up. Rile you up and say, well, you got this kind of habit or- or you spending this, or I don't want to spend this, and you want to spend it. We don't want to even come to the table with that kind of energy in the first place. And that's why we never say anything. And so what I was just talking about is talking about the reason why a man wouldn't want to deal with it. You know, maybe you don't make as much money as me or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important as women, too, to make sure that it doesn't matter who brings home the most money. And what you were talking about, like women want a six figure nigga. Um, (laughs) But I think it doesn't matter who makes the most money. It's it's making sure that even if I made more money than you in a calendar year or in a quarter, in a day, in a month, whatever, if I'm bringing in more money than you, it's to still allow you to embrace your role as the head of the household and as the provider. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's also, you know, encouraging you to be who it is that you were destined to be, not just financially though. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that probably eases, you know, the whole control situation. Yeah, And just to this point, I think it's too many couples probably competing with their with their spouse. Like there, there's too many people competing against mm-hmm. each other financially. Also, that also brings forth problems. Yeah. Well. So, so decision four. That's that's your strong point. So I'll let you lead us on that one. It is. I I didn't even read this part. Okay. Setting budgets. Yep. Uh, why are budgets important? From a woman's perspective or from a male's perspective? No, no, no. From a you perspective, because I'm good on it. Well, I, no, I think budgets are necessary because if you don't have one, you overspend. Or if you if you don't have a budget, you'll be looking at where is my money going, and you never you never figure out where your money is actually going. And I think too many times we don't want to look the man in the mirror and like, okay, what is my money being spent <laughs> on? Where is it actually Ooh. going? And how can I cut back, or how can I have a budget about things? Because that you know what it allows you to do. Mm-hmm. And this is what's hard for for people that have people pleasers or women or whoever uh, that that deal with this. I think it's hard for people to say no. Hard for people to say no. Maybe maybe uh, something came out that you a friend or whatever came out with with, with a course. I don't care what it is, and that <laughs> and, and you want to spend money on it. If you have a budget, your budget will tell you yes or no. There's no need to come to to your spouse. You see what I'm saying? Like, I think you don't even have to come to your spouse when you have a budget out there because you already know what what the money is going coming out and coming in for. 
I understand that, but you know, and I, that that is probably true because you don't, you know, somebody hits you like, "Yo, we about to go out, pull up." You know, it's you hard know, to say no. Go to a restaurant real quick. I have never lived. I don't think I've ever lived by a budget of like this is your allotted amount to spend this month. I think they're important. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, in talking about how to build them, because I've done them before, I just don't think I've ever followed. followed through mm. on it and i think that is most people that like we've built them we've built them and then when your phone gives you that notification like hey you've spent a hundred dollars over on your uh eating out budget it's like <laughs> if you don't shut your because it's so easy to yes so you know when we talk about keys to building a budget like like i said that is your strong point so like what would you say um are the keys to building a a strong budget for an individual as well as couples well it's as simple as as now divvying up what is your expenses you need to figure out exactly what you need to spend on a monthly basis like what what do i need to live off of how much money is coming out that i need to live after that now you get to kind of see the wiggle room of where where you can spend more money at or where you can save more money at so if maybe your bills is 3000 a month but you make 5 mm-hmm. you really make 2000 a month so with that 2000 what can you go out there and do? What can you go out there and how much can you save? And what can you not do? And that's the hard part. The budget ain't about, we can all play with numbers all day long. Budgeting is all about discipline. It has nothing to do with how much you make, checking, checks and balances. None. It's all about your discipline. And then saying no when it's time to say no and saying yes when you can say yes. But the truth is most people don't have discipline, like 100%. Like in the the, health department, like working out, like, you know, that is an area that I am working on because my discipline, I think think if you could do anything between budgeting and um, working out consistently, you are top tier in discipline. But the crazy thing is, it's like we go to work or we build our businesses religiously you know what I'm saying? So we have discipline in certain, or even when you're in school, like you, you show up religiously. So we have a sense of discipline, but it gets lost somewhere. But I think something that's important to talk about is, um, for me, um, is not skipping anything when it comes to building a budget, uh, a budget, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to building your budget, not skipping over, you know, like some stuff, like people don't budget out for gas or they don't budget out for the Starbucks drink. You know, they don't budget out the little stuff cause they don't feel like it counts. Yeah, And I think it's really important to say, you know, when you're building a budget, whether you by yourself or as a couple is to not skip over anything. And and like there's no such thing as an unnecessary thing. If if you're a kryptonite in Starbucks, then you need to budget for it. Um, And I'm trying to learn how to do that. So, listen, a lot of this stuff is just opinions, but it's also stuff that we have gone through and working through. And this is my working through. How how do couples have the the conversation around budgeting together so they're on the same page. I think the the issue is that they're not on the same page when it comes to a budget. No, yes. And, and when you say the same page, it's, it's not just the same page. It's about like our numbers don't match. Typically it's because you, I want to spend this amount on, on date nights. Mm-hmm. Like you I want to spend $100. I mean, you want to spend, because that's definitely about me. You want to spend $100 on date night weekly or under $100 for date night. But for me, I like I like nice restaurants. I like nice stuff, blah, blah, blah. So for me, that number don't match. And I think that's why <laughs> couples don't have the conversations properly is because the, the numbers don't be matching. And so, you know, if you're talking about tithing or you're talking about, um, you know, where we are when it comes to saving and investing, um, you know, 
you might want to save more. I might want to invest more. The numbers don't match. So I think that's where the communication gets messed up is because my numbers don't match. And we don't now it's all about compromise. It's, it's choosing. And I think sometimes like we be treating stuff like it'd be a death sentence. Real talk. Like it's certain things that you got to understand. Like imagine budgeting for a season and now there's a surplus in your savings account that now allows you to invest into a multitude of things that bring six, seven more incomes. I think people, they, they don't want to go through any seasons and it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're in a, a dry spell or you don't have money or nothing like that. It's, can I go through a season where, okay, let's get a little tight. Let's, let's, let's clink it down. Like for us talking about, you know, home ownership, like we're having to have discussions about making different decisions because that's the goal. The goal, yeah. it has nothing to do with how much money we make and how much money we could make all that stuff. It has to do with the goal is to be a homeowner. So with everything that's going on in the market, how do you set yourself up? And so I think if you have conversations, like everything for me always ends up going back to goals, because if you set yourself up properly on where we're headed, then I think it's easier to have the conversations as a collective so that we could talk about what it is that we want and how do we get there. And then you are more open to compromise because it's about the greater good of where we're headed. Correct. I agree. I completely agree. So decision number five is how much debt? How much debt do we take out or accumulate? It's all of that. So like, I think it's important to talk about first, why is debt accumulated? So debt can be accumulated from many different reasons. Okay. Drop um, drop a few on us. Well, mainly with millennials is definitely student loans. That's a hundred percent, you know, our number one debt debtor. You okay. know what I'm saying? So, I think a lot of us come to the table with our own debt and then you bring it together and and maybe somebody hasn't taken their debt seriously and now you're coming to the table with somebody else and they're like, well, did you did you set yourself up? A good example of this is my friend. My friends, uh, you know, I don't want to say their names, but they did well when it comes when it comes to coming together, taking care of their debt individually and then coming together as a household to now be debt free. Yes. But I think... When shout you, out to y'all, by the way. That's crazy. Yeah, shout out to them. Cause I, cause the only dope. people I know. The only people I know that, that did it. But it took a lot of time. It took almost 10 years to do so. No, facts. Which a lot of people don't want to take that kind of time. Because um, now it's, we get into a whole different conversation when it comes to that. When you know people want to come together. They want to come together as full people in, in these amazing careers when you can build things out. So, But I think what's important... Like more importantly than like, okay, yeah, we all come on our own debt, but it's like, okay, before I come to the table with my debt, my solo debt came from the fact that, and I think this is very key to talk about, Mm -hmm. is that everybody does it. When you think about taking out a student loan, why did you do it? Everybody did it. Correct. (laughs) And like that, and even if that's not what you meant to do, because that's what whoever advised you meant to do, that's what you did is because that's, that's what we do. Does that make sense? Yeah. You think about buying a car. I never bought a car. You know what I'm saying? Like I, this is my, this car is the first time I've ever had a car note. Mm. Why? Because, well, I never thought I never wanted one. I've watched people struggle, you know, uh, you know, growing up and stuff like that and talk about the Cardinal, Cardinal, Cardinal and subconsciously it programs into you. I don't want one of that. Lease me, please. You know what I'm saying? Even though that's essentially still a Cardinal, but I don't own it and I don't got to deal with none of that. And so I think a lot of the stuff that comes with debt is that everybody does it. And so subconsciously you don't realize that you're doing it or why you're doing it. You're just doing it because that's what's always been done. Like I like think about it. Um, people want new cars. They don't want to go and get a $5,000 car off the lot. 
Correct. Right. When when we started talking, my parents bought me a, a 2002 Ford Escape. This car, first of all, this was 2013. So it was damn near a brand new car. Yeah. It was an old car, 2002 Ford Escape that had 5,000 miles on it. My parents paid like what, like thirty-five dollars to $4,000 on it. So, really? yes. Sheesh. Uh, I mean, my dad is a come up king, um, but he found this car and it's not just about the fact that he found the car. It's about the fact that the car lasted me up until we got married. So you're talking about for five years, this 12 year old car has run. Yeah. But it was a brand new car from a mileage standpoint. You know what I'm saying? It was a brand new car from an engine standpoint. It's not an old car. It's just an old year an mm-hmm. older model but somebody might want to go get a car note simply because oh i can go get me a a brand new one right now or i can get a 2020 and 2022 and the 2020 got ninety thousand miles on it and you don't peep game that bro the car's two years old and got ninety thousand miles on it but because it's a 2020 i want it so is the book saying that we're not having the discussions around the the debt that we accumulate or are they saying that People individually come to the table with whatever financial habits they have. And Correct. They get that's the whole self. thing. But that's why you have to have the conversation because I'm already here with this. So I need to know how you accumulate. Like, let's talk about this. When I was ready to go get my master's degree, uh-huh, I, I came home the day I made the decision. So excited, ready to go. I came home ready to get my master's and yeah. I get a letter from my undergrad saying you owe us eight thousand dollars and if you don't pay we send in this to collections well by the time i saw the letter it was already two months old so it's already <laughs> in collections i owed them eleven thousand dollars when i told my parents the first thing that my dad said was oh just go get a personal loan you got great credit you got money in the bank they'll approve you asap it took them 15 seconds to approve me but did i accumulate this debt because that's what i had prepared to do no i accumulated the debt because that's what i was told to do you know what I'm saying? And so I don't, it's like having that conversation of if I now decide, Hey Malk, things have gotten tough or, you know, we got to make sure we get out of this situation or do that, blah, blah, blah. I'll just go get a personal loan. Now oh. you need to know that that's why did I do that? It's because that's what happened to me, you know, a previous time in my life that that's how things were handled. And so to debt. that's my response to debt. So I have to have a conversation about why people are doing it and how it's accumulated. And, you know, sometimes it is, a desire to provide. Yeah. No, sometimes it is that. I mean, you, you find, because finance is such a touchy, touchy subject for, for people in general, when you get into a hole, you automatically are in survival mode. So you're thinking of all these different things. And I think you're not thinking with a clear mind. Right. And that's when mistakes can happen. So I try to, I try to stay even kill in that aspect because I, I am conscious of that. I try to make my financial decisions based upon nothing but straight facts and what can actually happen from this outcome, you know, of what what I do and what, what is the outcome of this. And now nah, you fact, Malcolm's the only person that I'd be knowing that be knowing interest rates and stuff. He was like, you don't know <laughs> that if this was like a year from now, you'd be paying 20 percent on that. And I'm like, oh, OK, exactly. And I'd be having full plans and stuff. Like, and no, like, but okay. that's but that's what's important. But I think, you know, basically it was saying like if a man positions the family in debt, it's probably because they have a desire to provide and things aren't in a space like I, I've witnessed that in my own, yeah. you know, my upbringing and stuff like that. Um, but I think the other thing is like your desire to impress people. And, you know, sometimes when you're a people pleaser, yeah. you position your you you think it's not you. But why did you go to college? I went to, so here's the thing. My thought before college, I, I told myself, okay, 
is is it worth is basketball worth putting you in this much financial debt that's the conversation i had with myself before i actually applied so that's the thing though you know what that I'm was saying? my mindset now that's what i'm saying though so it's as asking those questions and so let's talk about the husband's response to debt and then you okay. can talk to me about the wife's response so let me talk to you about this so the husband it says the husband's response to debt is them overworking because now we got it we're not talking about getting it now we got it it's accumulated now, now you have the debt. now i have the debt and now i gotta work off the husband's response is overworking over. yeah yeah, because you, now you acquired this debt, and now it's it's like a, it's hanging over your head. So we feel like, okay, I gotta work ten times harder to be able to pay it off, because it's. I mean, you, you're a slave to the debt, in a sense. So now we, of course, we're gonna overwork. We're gonna overwork ourselves in order to get ourselves out of the hole. We feel like we have to get our family out of this hole, so we will overwork a hundred percent. Okay, so the next one is they stop telling the wife about what it is that they're doing. Yeah. It's it's a coping mechanism, and it's also, uh, I got this. I got it figured out. Mm. She ain't got to know. Mm. I got this thing figured out. I can I can do this. I can do that. I can finagle this. I can finagle that. And she ain't really got to know much about it. I got this. Okay. That's that's crazy because that that breaks trust, though. Yeah. Because if I now find out. There's so much more conversation that has to now be had around why are you hiding it? Why are you hiding how you're handling it? Well, okay, well, it depends on if it's, if the debt is his fault. If the debt is his fault, I feel like he's going to be even more reserved when it comes to getting uh, himself or you all out of it. There, w- there won't be, there'll be 10 times less discussion about the the decisions financially to get out of that to get out of that hole that did I think that's understandable the next one it says they have a mental battle with money after that I can believe that a mental battle though a mental battle it's more so about it's, it's not it's, it's not a battle it's it's more so now it's a paranoia like I said earlier it's, it's a paranoia it's not a battle it's a, it's a battle of the mind more so, more so not of money it's more so the battle of the mind like okay I can't mess this up now. Mm-hmm. I can't mess this up going forward. So I'm I'm really, really 10 times more cautious of anything I do or anything I spend or anything I, I allow uh, to come in here. So what if the debt is her fault? All right. So I'm not really good at responding to someone else's debt that I think is foolish. Like if you if you came to me with the debt, Say you took out this personal. Say say we were married. I did. That, no, no, that no, 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 no. No, but it happened in real life. But say if we were married. Okay. And you said you wanted to take out a personal loan in order to go back to school. Mm-hmm. I 100% would have cursed you out. I mean, you told me. You you actually did, though. I didn't like, curse you out, but I said that that's not smart. I said I wouldn't do that. said it was a clownish move and it was dumb and I wouldn't do that. I did. But you thought I was hating that. I did think you was hating. You were and hating. Though. I was not. No, 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 no. I wasn't hating. I saw what you didn't see. I saw what you didn't see and what you didn't think about. And you didn't. There was there wasn't trust in that though. You didn't trust in in my opinion at that time. But we also wasn't married. We was we was dating around that time. So I'm giving I you advice. I, I would give you advice of what I wouldn't do. And I said I wouldn't think. But if we were married, home. you would hard cold stop. If we were married though. So what if I, I do wouldn't. it though? So if you do it. 
we have issues. You know what, what I'm saying? What like we have we Let's have really, we have real life issues. Talk if, to me. So okay, you come home. You we married, you come home and say We have fifteen I, I just took out a personal loan so I can go back to school. Twenty thousand dollars, whatever it was. Only fifteen thousand dollars. Only fifteen. At the interest is twenty five. So it doesn't matter. And this is what I, and this is the conversation I'm having with you. So if you come and you do it, at, is this after I say I, I say I, I, I No wait. no no. It's just my question is just what if the debt is her fault? The debt is her fault. I, I, just me. I feel like I'm always going to remind you of it, and now and that's not a good thing. <laughs> it's, on, it's very that's toxic. real. That is real. You, 100, percent your toxic trait. That, that memory. It's going to be toxic because I'm, I'm never going to forget it, and I'm never going to allow you to forget the foolish move that you made. That so, is and I need, a, I need a plan of how you're going to get out of it. How am I going to get out? So, so or how, but, am I, or how but, are we going to get I'm out of this? I'm about to say because see that's the thing, but that takes you all the way back. But then dudes don't be wanting the wives work. They don't want you to go to the don't get your own no money no no. Stay home. See, that's different. That's the difference because if you if you did do that, so now I could go get a day. yeah. So now a job. I, I can yes, go, I can go a job. get a job now. Now I could go build my business and do the stuff Listen. that I want to do and have my capital because I'm in debt. That's yeah, crazy. I want you to become a multimillionaire now. You understand that? That's constant too. Yes, it probably is. But I'm saying what my response is is that. You better, you better, uh, you better have a plan to get this. Oh this my gone. gosh! Because it's crazy. So that's that's toxic too, though. How is that toxic? On your end, because if you're not having a conversation with me, you're just going out and doing it. Now, how am I supposed to trust you financially? How am I supposed to trust your judgment? So, do you now see why the book makes sense? I hundred percent see why because the book now, makes sense. Because now you go on all the way back to decisions four, yes, three, and four, 100%. have a conversation in regards to why you want to have control over the money is because now you got yeah. you feel a way about something that happened. Yes, that will hundred percent be some uh, anybody's response, not just a man, even a woman's response. No, I if that it. was to happen, it, it's, I'm it's not knocking it. I'm just response. asking you. No, I'm saying it's a natural response. Why am I foolish? I just made a decision. That doesn't make me a fool. No, see, it makes you a fool when you don't seek counsel. That's how I feel. If you don't seek counsel before you make the decision, it's fo- I see it as a does that not make you a people pleaser? And does that when you when you have to always seek counsel, does it put you in a position mentally where you feel like you can't make no decisions unless it's approved by somebody? See, that's a good point. That's a good point. It's when you when you're not confident in your decision. Now, if you're confident that that this debt is what is the debt that you should have been taken out. Or this is the debt that you need to get in in order to get this outcome. That's completely different. You ma- you probably don't need to talk to anybody. But when if if things hit the fan, <laughs> now you have to have accountability. And I think that's where people lack is that if it doesn't work, they don't hold themselves accountable. <laughs> I agree. You're right, though. Um, you know, hey, that's just what it is. All right. So in the book. It says the wife's response to what is it, number five of okay. how much debt you accumulate mm-hmm. is anxiety. For sure. But if, if we're in debt, unbeknownst to me, for sure, especially if he's hiding it like we just talked about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what about nagging, though? I, I, I just, uh, can I just say, can I just say to all my women and to all my men is to understand that. We nag. I think that's just the same way you want to control the money is the same way we have a nagging spirit about us at times. And I think it's nagging in the sense of what are we going to do, but also how do we, for me, my nag is 
is is I'm a super planner. Like I'm like, yo, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna do? How are we gonna formulate this? What are we gonna put together in place? All that kind of stuff like that. That's my version of nagging. But to you, it may be like, bro, like chill. Let's just, it's okay. You know what I'm saying? Some men respond like, we got it. If you're the one who's saying, I got this, don't worry about it. You can see me wanting to plan how to get out of it as nagging. I see. I see what you, okay. But that's, that's a natural response for one. I think that's a natural, not just with that, that's just in life. Okay. I just feel like y'all should get over the fact that you feel like we're nagging because we're going to nag. If you're overworking, I'm going to nag. If you're not spending time with me, I'm going to nag. It's not necessary. It's not in a place of like, I want you to stop all the time either. It's just, I need to make my point known that this is what I feel how about you, what's happening. How would you want us to respond to if, if I'm working and you're nagging me about spending more time with you, if I'm providing, I think you just have to have a conversation with, or how can we, how can we create time? Because the thing is, if, if you see I'm nagging about time Mm -hmm. because you're working too much, I think the response is one, what do you want from me? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not in a Tyrese kind of way, but what do you want from me? And what does that look like? And then based off of what that now looks like, how can I try to meet that need? And then I also feel like this is the thing. This was my point about women nagging is like um, we do have to still be considerate to like just because I'm nagging don't always mean that I want you to change that, though, because at the end of the day, if you're overworking because we need money or if you're overworking to make sure that you're providing and making sure that our situation is stable um, and more than stable, then even though I'm nagging, I'm not asking you to always stop. That's my that's me. So it's just you venting. Yes, but y'all call it nagging. To me, I am venting, but a a man and a husband is never going to call it venting. You're not going to call your bro and be like, my wife is venting to me. My wife is nagging me. Yeah, 100%. Right? And so I I just think it's really focusing on the fact that just because I I think it's having the conversation and setting it up to say, what are you looking for? What do you need from me? Is it you want us? Do you want me home for dinner or do you want like for me, it would just be make sure if you're going to overwork, then you need to take care of me, too. And what that means is you cannot miss date night. You cannot uh, compromise on the things that we've set if I'm going to allow you to do that. And I think as women, what happens is we don't give the allow and the grace of you do, but this is what I need from you. And, um, but it depends on the situation. I think it is definitely tailored to what the situation and the circumstance is for your family. Okay. So they said the the other response is no concern though. Yeah. I just don't care. You don't care about what? Any of it. Any of it. <laughs> That's me always. It is what it so is. So you act like you don't care? I or? don't, it's not an act. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> think about it when it comes to fi- like and this is talking about debt but in you know just talking about finances in general because that is not my strong point outside of making sure the bills are paid and making the money for me that's not my strong suit so it may appear as though i have no concern for it because it's just that's not my place you know what i mean although i want to be included and stuff like that too but um it, it could just be appearing that there's no concern and i think um i feel like as long as you're respectful of your relationship, you're respectful of each person's position, um, not position, but the role that they play in the household and the things that they contribute. I, I don't think there's an issue. Um, and, and I really feel like um, the things that you can do to fix that is to, if, if the husband's the one taking care of the debt as a wife, um, as a woman, you should encourage his experience. I think that eliminates the hiding it. Like if I encourage you to handle it 
handle you. it the way that you want to handle it and do what it is that you want to do. If I encourage it, I don't think you would hide it. I don't think you would have to feel like I got to take care of it and I can't let her know and all that stuff like that. And I think another thing you could do um, is um, develop a strategy for big purchases. Like we do talk about that. Like we, as much as I hate having those conversations, I'm also never going to make a solid, large, I think, what's our number? Like, I don't think we've ever, like, what's the number where you have to talk about it? Where we have to talk about it? I think, shoot. Two, three hundred dollars. Oh God. Moving on. <laughs> I will say for husbands though, this is what the book was talking about. It said husbands, here's the thing. You have to it says husbands should seek and value your wife's opinion. I agree. hundred percent. Right. So that boils back down it's to hard communication. To. And be grateful. Be grateful for what? You have to be in a state of gratitude in all things for, um, you know, cause I know a lot of times when we're talking financially, um, you know, sometimes you don't have favorable experiences. Like when I was coming home from church and a rock hit my windshield and it cracked immediately. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't expect Dang. that, but in the sense of gratitude, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to take care of it expense wise. I'm grateful that my mama told me to file a claim with my insurance and I'm grateful that I got the money to pay my deductible. I think sometimes you lose when you're in a state of pressure with debt or finances period that you can lose your gratitude and what's happening. Uh, Did I get a new opportunity? Did I get a new client? What have I created? What have we been able to do? Um, We've had so many, like I feel like in our darkest moments in life, we've created so much stuff just like God did. In darkness, he created. And so it's being grateful for, okay, this season may not feel good. However, this is what I came, This is what I actually came up with. Mm-hmm. This is what happened for us in this space. So I think it's also having a state of gratitude so that you can, um, you know, make it through what doesn't feel comfortable. So decision six? Decision six is having a conversation about how we invest, what we invest in. Are we investing? Mm, okay. But there are that it can cause marital conflict, and the reasons why it could cause marital conflict is because we have differences. Mm, yeah. We have male and female differences of what we. You might think Risk tolerances, right? You may look at for me. I want to invest into the stock market. You want to invest in real estate. You think real estate is more important. I think getting the stocks is more. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. those differences that cause conflict because we might get to a point we're not doing nothing simply because we can't agree on what the money should go to. Mm-hmm. You want to put down a down payment on a house for twenty thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand. I feel like if we put a hundred thousand into this and this, and this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what it's talking about having marital conflicts um, because now you're not communicating, and then uh, there's a pressure to increase income so that we can invest. Do you think we ever had an issue when it came to the investing in? I think it's what we're investing in, like in the amounts that are being invested. I think those are the issues that have come up in our marriage when it's not necessarily investing. I think we, we're, we're good on investing. Our willingness to invest is very high. <laughs> but yeah. I think our conflict has come when it's a, it's a dollar amount that like you're the this goes back to the whole thing about control because you are the financial you know, you're the head of the household and you're planning for what happens if this doesn't go good and all the stuff like that. Or uh, what happens if we need the cash flow, but we don't invest it in the crypto and now crypto is down. You know what I'm saying? I think that's where the conflict for us has happened in the amounts. So I think. And timing. I would say timing. I, well, I also think that strategy, like we, I think we both came to the table investing with kind of similar and different strategies. Like you came to me about crypto. Yes. About investing in the crypto. And I had no problem investing in crypto. I've always just wanted an exit strategy of crypto. Yes. And I think that's the, so that's where one of our differences lies in the sense of like, I never knew how to exit. 
um, okay. that's in business, that's been in investments, um, and not having an edu- exit strategy. And that's always been what you have talked about. Like, mm-hmm. what is our exit strategy? Um, and I think because we had those conversations um, with other investments like crypto and um, stuff like that, then when we were talking about real estate and we were talking about buying our first house and all that kind of stuff like that, it's, is this our starter home? Is this stay here home? How long are we going to stay here? How are we going, when are we planning to get out? What are we going to do to get out? Are we selling? Are we renting? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it was developing that plan, but I don't think we get to that part within real estate and having conversations about buying unless we had the issues with missing opportunities to close positions or take your profit and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like if we don't go through that, we don't have the, the know of, okay, regardless of what we about to do, what's our number? Like, what is, what are we satisfied with? What are we looking to get out of it? Yeah. Um, you know, and I think the biggest thing with solving conflicts like that, when it comes to conversations around investing is what is the commitment that we're having to make here or, or communicating clearly what I'm looking, if this is something I bring to the table, mm-hmm. what am I looking to get out of that? investment opportunity because it's it's communication investing ain't ain't no hoe investing is not something that you can do lightly we just had this conversation uh what was that yesterday where you were like i'm not sure if this is something i'm willing to continue to you know kind of talk about that so the conversation was basically about you know we made an investment earlier this year into a business that we've started and it has brought forth um some kind of return. It has brought forth returns mm-hmm. and we've seen returns from it. And we're now evaluating the risk tolerance of it though. Mm-hmm. Now we're evaluating like, and we haven't, we haven't even had this full discussion yet about if we want to continue uh, to risk what we are risking in order to receive the profits that we're receiving. And so that's where I feel like it's just really about conversation and really communicate clear communication with that, because I think what happens is there's so many people that want to invest. Um, there's so many couples that want to invest. One, they don't know where to start. Uh, they don't know what to invest in. Um, I always feel like the best investment is to into yourself first to start to get knowledge so that you can at least bring something of value to the table based off of what you now know. Mm-hmm. Correct. But if you don't do that, then it's hard to really have these conversations um, because you you don't you don't really know what I'm tr- I'm trying to tell you that crypto is lit. Crypto is lit. Like at and this is me at thirty two because at twenty five it was just crypto. Yo, we got to do it. It's just it, it, <laughs> it, it, you don't want to be left behind. You know what I'm saying? Then you start googling. There's so much FOMO. Yes, it's fear of missing out and stuff like that. So it's like okay, get educated and spend the first investments into yourself. This is my personal opinion. Spend the first investments into yourself to get educated so that when you're bringing something to the table, you have more to go off based on. You know, now that we have made invest plenty of investments. That's off of wishing to pray. A wish and a prayer, but it, I don't think it's always a wish and a prayer. Sometimes it's like it, it makes sense and I'm willing to just take the risk. Take the risk, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Calculate and and we'll just we'll run it back if it don't make sense, you know, whatever. Um, but I think it's a bit the biggest thing about investing is always gonna be about communication. Um, you know, what do you really feel like is the most important thing to understand about investing? Um, each other's risk tolerance. Um, you know, what your, your risk tolerance may be different from mine, and then your um your cash flow and your ability to invest. I think some people we can, we want to invest so much and we want, we want to be investors. You know, it's it's this popularity contest when it comes to being an investor, I I feel like, but we will over invest into, into certain things where we don't need to. And there needs to be an assessment of, okay, if this vehicle is, is going to bring forth this return, this is what we're looking for. If this isn't, we need to pull out, you know, it, it just needs to be that, that uh, partnership when it comes to um, finding things to invest in 
maybe you come to the table with an investment that we talk about and we come to the table from that from that discussion that I don't think it, it suits our family. It doesn't suit our goals and stuff like that. That's important to have that conversation because if you go out here and just invest in something without my knowledge, then then we have now no we education. At home. No, we got more problems at home. It's not even about the education. It's about we got issues about trust and communication. That, yeah, yeah, there's so many other things that, that will pop up. But I think you said something that was very valuable and important to touch on, especially with us being in the investment space for the last five years, is cash flow. And there's a principle that we talk about. It's called cash, asset, cash. And I don't think we – I think more people pay attention to – having money to put into assets that provide you more capital. But I think what's important to talk about here is your actual cash flow. Because oh, yeah. there's a difference between making income and cash flow. Income is how much money I'm making. Cash flow is what you talked about where it's like, okay, my living expenses are this. This is what's left over from what has been made. And I think what people are looking at is I'm taking my income and investing it into something that's going to make me more money. Yeah. That's why when people are starting businesses and you're self-employed and you're starting something, yes, you started it, but a lot of people end up going broke because there's just reinvesting the same dollars that they're getting from their job into the business that's not providing the same amount of profit return, in return yeah. and so when you're talking about things like cash asset and cash it's making sure that you're cat you're creating more cash flow before you're focusing on what to invest into um because that's why i think malcolm is so he's so good with that when he talked about the stuff in budgeting where he's like you have to find where more money is because what people are doing is they want to invest based off of what they know they make but not knowing how much they actually have yeah does that make 100%. sense? And so what you want to focus on is your cash flow, finding an asset to buy, build, or grow, right? That's going to not provide you more capital and really doing that kind of rinse and repeat two to three more times. Like the cash I got from that first investment, putting the cash that I made, my investment amount, or what I invested originally into another opportunity or yeah. another yeah. play or whatever, yeah. another vehicle that's going to. But so now my first thing is riding off a straight profit. There's no more risk involved because I took my money back. Mm -hmm. And then I take my original investment, try to find something to put that in and rent and repeat. And sometimes you could be doing that with the same five, $10,000 and putting it multiple times into multiple things. And all those other things start running off with just the profit but you have to find the cash flow the flow flow yes. don't be stopped that don't mean i, I gotta <laughs> stop doing it this time or this month or i need to pay my butt my, my my phone bill like that's not a flow a flow is this is this is like okay i got an extra thousand dollars every month and if that means for 10 months i save the thousand dollars so i have a ten thousand dollar investment to put in something that can grow exponentially that's what you want to focus on um so decision seven <laughs> decision seven <laughs> I know you're looking at me. <laughs> Decision seven that we need to talk about is giving. Let's talk about it. Let's Explain talk about it. So me. it said, so it was talking about giving. So this is uh, either to people, to church, whatever. And it says the reasons why husbands are going to be hesitant <laughs> is because of their drive to provide. So there's that you don't feel like there's a surplus to just be giving away. Although you have to give to receive, though. You know what I'm saying? I think, you know, when you open your hands up, God puts more into it. Most of the time we're trying to cling on to the money so hard of what I have that I'm not letting God give me more because I'm not willing to give anything away. Yeah, I think I struggled with that at first. Like, you know, still do Today. at most times. <laughs> uh, that you hold on you hold on to the money that you make because there's an attachment to it in a sense. Like, we feel like if we give it away, we're giving a part of our security away. That's real. You're giving a part of our... And that was the next thing. Long-term perspectives. Provide. Yeah. Because of their long-term perspectives. And I, I think actually going through the whole thing and getting to through the eight 
mm-hmm. it allows you to kind of see the perspectives of male and female and why they think the way they do because men you already said multiple times and so did the book that you guys think long term mm-hmm. so you don't want to give because bro i am what you said messing with my security yeah messing with my security and also i mean part of it could be that you haven't budgeted uh for that like because if 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 you do budget for for giving then there is a certain amount there that you can give freely mm-hmm. and you know if 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 it's not talked about if it's not even brought up or if it's not thought about then yeah i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be like uh more hesitant because i don't know what number to, to actually give i don't know what number I don't know what's part of my security. So if there is a discussion around that and something premeditated that now I know how much I need, I could I could be giving to this person or or, or to this church or to whatever it is, this organization. I think men would, would feel more comfortable. Well, they also said it was a lack of sensitivity. So is it the lack of well, yeah, this ain't true. my problem? Uh, man, so, okay. So if there was, uh, if there was a guy or girl homeless came up to you and asked you for some money would you immediately give it to him if i had some yes one because but one i'm gonna tell you why because and this is where sensitivity is very important this is why sensitivity is even on here yeah i'm gonna share the difference here it is i have had a multitude of uncles like my father's brothers and sisters that have gone through homelessness i've been to homeless shelters i've i've served the homeless because i i've I've seen my family go through that. So it's a different kind of sensitivity and emotion, emotional connection for me because my uncle lived under a bridge. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I would, if knowing that, um, you know, would I want somebody to have given him something so that he could eat? Yes. So men, we're skeptical. Everybody's a scammer. No, we're, well that, or we're like, okay, you need, you need money for food. Okay. Well, Let's go. Let's go get you some food. <laughs> but that still goes into because your giving budget, though. That's the thing, though. It's still. Even I'm not. I'm not immediately giving it, though. Right, but you're willing to go take them to get the food. It's the same. It's the to me. That's the same concept. It's not about does the person need money or do they need food. Your willingness to go get the food, if that's what you're asking for, is still you giving. Yeah, but here's the difference. Okay. I'm not going. I'm not going to get you the food in order to. To just give, I'm, all, You're I'm going also to see going how to how honest you are. Yes, I'm also going to prove me wrong. <laughs> that, it's, it's more so prove me wrong that I don't that that what I'm thinking isn't true, and that you're not going to you know cater to your habits. I feel it. You see what I'm saying? So that's where the sympathy aspect. We're not as sympathetic because we think of in realism. I feel it. I feel it. All right. So this is why it says the <laughs> wife would be hesitant. Uh huh. All right. Threat to security. Okay. And likes to see money. Oh, that's 100%. Because especially if the husband has been the person to establish the money part, mm-hmm. then uh, then us giving too much away would feel like a threat to security. But the other thing is I'm 100%. This is so, this is so crazy how accurate this stuff be. Because for me, I do, as much as I like to spend, I like to see the money in my bank account more. I like to see the money in my investment account growing mm-hmm. more than I like to spend it, even though I like to spend money. Okay. But what about... It also says the husband doesn't communicate. So that's like this, essentially, like let's say your your let's say your parents say, "Hey, uh, we're late. We need we need all of our expenses paid this month." Like your mom just had a surgery, right? Let's say mm-hmm. that now they're they're calling saying, "Hey, we 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 need everything this mm-hmm. month," and you just gave it to them, and now I look at the bank account and I see 
five, six thousand, seven thousand dollars gone, and now I have to come ask you about it. Versus you just saying, Hey, the whole thing is about communication. Yeah. And so if the husband's not communicating well, it's then saying that there's something that you'd rather do in secret versus discussing with your wife or your partner about what is the need and then us discussing what we can do because let's say we do got the money to do that but like you said in the budget that's not that's not what we one I think is very important in this day and age and this is something that I'm learning and I'm working on very frivolously that somebody else's emergency is not my emergency Hmm. someone else's emergency is not doesn't have to be your emergency you can allow it to be your emergency but it doesn't have to be and so sometimes you feel like because this is my parent this is my friend this is my cousin my sister that Um, I have to do this because they're in a situation, but it's really understand that's a people pleasing mechanism. Um, And so I know, but it's understanding that I have to also, uh, I have to show you how to treat me because what happens is, you know how you feed a cat? Yep. You feed a cat, they come back. And I've experienced that, especially with money that, that when you give and you don't communicate like your ability to do that with somebody else or what you're willing to do. But what I, I like, you know, um, I talk to some of my friends where they share with me, like if I if somebody reaches out to me about money, then I have to ask you, what is your plan after this? Hmm. Because I can't you can't I can't feed a cat. So what's your plan? after? Th- I can help you. But what's your plan after this? What are you going to do so that this is not the next conversation? Um, and so I think it's important to really be in a place for me. Like I said, it's something that I'm working on very, very hard and intentionally is that everybody's emergency is not my emergency. So if we then had the conversation to say, okay, um, Hey, my parents need this or whatever. And now we discuss what we're able to do that will fit within that budget or fit within our, our comfortability because it says that's a threat to my security. Mm. Right. What is going to make me comfortable, but allow you to feel like I'm helping. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think one of the things that when you're not communicative, which is what we, everything boils down to that. Um, you know um but i thought what was actually more interesting to read about is why they both will be reluctant to give <laughs> both poor giving decisions in the past so you got ptsd ptsd i gave somebody some money they never gave it back or i gave somebody money then they was at the mall and they was eating out but you told me that you needed to pay your car note or you know what i'm saying i've experienced that too like you know, cause me, y'all know I'm a giver. Y'all know I like to show up for people. Like I want to look out, you know what I'm saying? But I can't look out because you told me that somebody hit you in the back and <laughs> there's still a dent in the bumper. Uh, this is why I hate <laughs> this. This is why I have issues sometimes. This is why I don't give money to friends. I don't give money. Uh, I don't loan friends. money. We give I don't, money. I don't loan. Yeah. I don't loan money. Um, because now you follow them. Now, now anything they do, <laughs> that nigga owe me money. Right, you outside? That, that, that woman owe me money. Is that an Apple Watch? Is the, I know they ain't in the club when they owe me money. This, <laughs> these are things. That's such that, a black toxic. Oh my gosh, so toxic. You acting like uh, what's the Julius off of uh, Everybody Hates Chris? Yeah, now I'm, I'm counting everything you do from the time that I gave you the money to the time that you're supposed to give it to me. You know, I, I, I just don't, I don't believe in it. Because of that one, that toxic thing, like you, you count too many things. But I do think that's why you should give money versus loaning money. Because if you loan it, you want it back. If you just give it, it's just that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I don't want the stress. The other one was and I don't want to clock you. Oh my bad. Because I will. Malcolm will clock you. <laughs> um, the other one was conflict. Like one wants to and one doesn't. 
like one person is wanting to give and the other one is not wanting oh, to 100%. give. Oh, 100%. That okay, is, yeah. that that's, is that's our us. dilemma That's our always. dynamic all time. There was a time where I went to church. <laughs> Man, tell them about this. I went to church and, you know, um, now this is and this is real life, y'all. This is not like we are not cabining at all. She went to church by herself. I went to church by myself and he said I can never go back alone. By herself. Well, you better be one to go. So I go to church and, you know, the message spoke to me, you know, when they end the service, sometimes they're like, <laughs> you know, if this, if this, you know, you want to sow your seed. And the thing was, um, you know, we probably, we always give, you know what I'm saying? We don't never not give right at church. Yeah. The thing was the seed was a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars. Now, what was the number I said earlier? Two, three hundred. <laughs> A thousand dollars. So, and I knew I was gonna have to deal with this at the house. That's the thing you got to know who you're dealing with. I already knew. Let me finish my story. This was the thing, and he feels like I'm trying to sell him on this. But what happened was in real life, you know, the spirit spoke to me, and this is, you know, for all my believers. I'm not trying to be deep, but this is really what happened. This, I contemplated it. I thought about it. I was like, I don't want to hear Malcolm's mouth, and that was the reason why I wasn't going to do it. And I thought that a thousand was a little outlandish. <laughs> And so what happened was the spirit spoke to me clear as day. I would never forget this moment clear as day and said, if somebody else was to call you with a business play that might cost you five, 10, $20,000, you don't question it. Mm-hmm. But the minute you're in church and you received whatever it is that you needed to receive, you got the word or you had the, whatever you need, the clarity, um, the vision, whatever it is that you needed in that moment, you receive that. And the minute that I ask you to sow, you have to figure out, can I, should I, that's a lot. I got to call my husband. Like, but if it, you know what I'm saying? And that was in a season where we were actively investing in different um, businesses. We were building our portfolio. We were building our businesses and we had literally, y'all I'm talking about like over like two, three weeks. Um, I mean, two to three months, we had been doing that and investing into different investment and business vehicles over the first quarter of the year. And so I'm in church and I'm like, literally, you know, we had just did it probably like a month before that. And it's like, dang, that was a five figure investment, but you are contemplating giving in God's house. So for me, I was convicted, but I also heard it clear as day. So in that moment, what you thought about it didn't really matter to me because I would rather be obedient for him to give to us a surplus or maybe it's an idea or maybe, you know what I'm saying? He fixed these markets on these homes, whatever. But go ahead. You can tell no, your part. No, it's, it's not a part. It's just, I received a call saying that you, you had given a thousand dollars. Well, so because like, I could come home and not say anything. That's the other part Correct. is that you could have just looked at the account and saw the money was gone. Yeah, that's true. But how does, how does one respond? When something comes over the the spouse, <laughs> not something. No, first of all, don't do that because you definitely you know sound I mean? like we're not both believers. No, we are. But I'm saying, like, like if one has that experience, and I'm I'm not having that experience because I'm not there. How does one? How is one supposed to respond to their spouse? I don't know, but oh, you know, what were you actually looking for? As a response? I wasn't looking for anything because I knew that I knew that I was in in the right. And I'm not trying to sell you on why it was right. I'm not trying to sell you on. Right. I'm not trying to say, hey, listen, I heard from the Lord. Like, I wasn't giving <laughs> you that because at the end of the day, 
um, you know, and I, when I shared that with you, I said, even, even to this day, we talk about, you know, yo, let's pray over that seed that we gave, because it's not just about that moment. It's us coming together. What I said to you is that I need you to believe God with me for what we've sown. My response was completely different than what I thought it was going to be. Because, because I also I asked the, the Lord to touch your heart. <laughs> you did. And I also saw the confidence in what you exuded, you know, when you, when you made that decision. So I knew it wasn't. It wasn't just you. <laughs> it could have been. It wasn't a fluke. <laughs> no, not at all. No, but I just I I believe that I I, I truly believe that, and I, I like I said that was a conviction for me because you know so many times when when there are business opportunities or investment opportunities, we do act a lot faster than when it is time to give to the homeless or it's time to yeah. give to this charity or it's time to give to those places. We oh, is this person legit? No, I'm gonna take you to McDonald's to get you a burger because <laughs> you said you no no no. Let me just give freely, um, especially if that's what I'm being called to do. Um, You know, so giving has giving is definitely one of our biggest challenges. One of our big giving and investing are like our two biggest like conflicts for sure. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, And decision eight is just talking about like actually communicating and strategizing around how to have these conversations, which we've actually done having this conversation. And within these decisions, we've talked about how to start having those conversations and what would you say communicate communication wise about that thing. So, um, you know what? I I think this is a perfect place to talk life lessons. So when we're talking about money decisions and having conversations around finances, uh, what was your life lesson? Uh, My life lesson is take Take ownership of your habits, your financial habits, and also be in, intrigued enough to learn about your spouse's financial habits in order to come together um, to make better decisions, more sound decisions financially, um, and give each other grace. You know, the life lesson in that is definitely give each other grace because no one is perfect. No one has it all figured out. You all going to make mistakes. Um, but how can we how can we come to the table and try to avoid some of the pitfalls that a lot of people go through when it comes to marriages? Because we understand that finances is the number one cause of divorce, at least in my in my perspective. And numbers can probably back that up, too. So if that's the case, we got to emphasize and focus on this 10 times harder mm-hmm. and we got to have the discussions 10 times more um, because at, things are forever changing and understanding things are forever changing. So when we come to the table, it's not it's not to get on each other. It's more so to uh, be better and grow and get to our financial goal. And my other life lesson is have a financial goal for your family. I would say my life lesson is uh, don't be afraid of conversations that make you uncomfortable, especially if you never saw your family having these conversations. Um, because I think subconsciously, that's why we don't. That's why we think uh, the way we think about having conversations and sitting down about these different things um, in regards to debt, in regards to our level of investing. How do we want to give? How do we um, how do we really just create, like you said, the financial house for our family? Um, don't be afraid of having weird what feel like weird conversations around money because you're not used to having conversations about money. What I can tell you is about the lo- the more you start to do it, the easier it becomes. Like now 
money um, is not a hard conversation for us. It's just talking amounts, talking investments, talking whatever it is that uh, fits within the goals that we've set as a household. So don't be afraid of the conversations. I think the more we start to have them and have them effectively talking about, hey, uh, this is if you're going to work and you need to get this and you do this, um, this is what I need for our marriage to make sure we grow because it's not enough to go get all this money and uh, end up hating the person that you did it for yeah. in the long run. So that's my life lesson. So uh, I, I I think this was a great episode. It was. It was part two. Part two was done. Yes, part two. So, um, we're we're getting close to the end of the season. We are, and uh, I can say the end, the end of the season ends with a with a bang. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> ends with a bang. So listen, uh, therapy nonetheless. Though, yeah, no, no, I mean this whole season has been a very therapeutic for us um especially in the season uh, a life that we're in turning 30 all that stuff like that so i'm excited for uh what's coming and what you all are about to experience um in total uh so with that being said thank you so much for tuning into the so let's talk about it pod i am one of your hosts Brittany garrison you can follow me at Brittany danelle on instagram <laughs> you can follow me uh, malcolm garrison uh, Malcolm underscore two underscores Garrison on IG as well. And you can follow our uh, podcast at the So Let's Talk About It pod um, Instagram page. And then don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Um, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or listening on Spotify, be sure to rate um, and review as well. If you're watching on YouTube, yeah, make sure that you subscribe um, and click these bells so that you can see whenever we upload um, our new podcast. So we look forward to uh, next week. Yeah. Um, and thanks for rocking with us. We love y'all. Love y'all.